The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio, episode 510, coming to you on Monday, October 9th. We're going to look back at USC's win over the Arizona Wildcats at the Coliseum, open up a gigantic mailbag, just a huge one, full of... A million different things. We've got voicemails. We've got emails. We've got comments. We've got everything, uh, including the longest rant line montage in a long time. So buckle up. It's going to be a big one. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, wherever you can find a podcast, we are there. Like Spotify, we are there. Give us a review all of that, we appreciate you guys as always. Email address reignoftroy at fansite.com and our phone number 818-643-7227. Suck it, Whisper Intro. Suck it, Whisper Intro. I, I started getting doubts that that was the right number all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Rancho Studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Dertola. Hello, everyone. Hello. We are back. Uh, we're calling this a therapy session. Mid mid season therapy, because because I th- I think the fan base needs it. What do you think? I would agree. I think there are. So- Listen, everyone's listened to me on the carcast and other places. Like you know, I'm frustrated by certain things, but but I also think there's some outsized reactions to the state of USC right now that we need to discuss. So I'm excited. Yeah, but before we get into it, we want to first of all just take. Take a deep breath. So I'll inhale. There you go. The Trojans are 6-0 and the Dodgers are down one nothing in the series. <laughs> it's a great time to be alive, folks. Uh, let's get into a new review. We got a new review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, first thing and foremost. First thing and... Is that the... What's the... First what's, and foremost. First and first foremost. Thing. I, I mean, I could do the Julie Chen thing, but first, uh, <laughs> let's, let's just go into this review. We got four stars from Mr. Interval on Apple Podcasts. Great, but overuse of the word like. It's a great show, but Michael, please, you've regressed and gotten worse at saying the word like or, quote, it's like constantly. It's unprofessional and annoying. But it's four, four stars. I mean, a four-star review, I will take four stars over, like, yeah. one star or whatever. So yeah. it's yeah. 
it's 80% of the way to what we want to be. So we'll, we'll take it. I, I will take it. I, but like, you know, I understand that people get very sensitive. I think to the, to the stop words that the people use, ums, likes, uhs, all of those kinds of things. And I, I understand it, but I'll also say we're rolling live. We're having hour and a half long conversations three yeah. times a week. You're going to get some likes in there. And, and we, we do try to keep it to a minimal. We do try. We do effort in that sense. Sure. But when we're in the middle of a free flowing conversation and we're having things come up and we're answering questions on the fly in the chat and mm-hmm. all of those things, it this is this is this is this is what we're going to do. So we're doing our best. We hope yeah. you keep listening. I mean, we did get 173 likes on the last. <laughs> we did a last, lot of likes on the last yeah. episode. Uh, Let's see if we can do more likes on this episode, but all with that like button and not. Yes, uh, the with like us button down below like, if you're watching us live on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I will say I am shocked that I, I you know we talked about this on our our on our after dark episode on Thursday, but I'm shocked. That the show is as smooth as it is considering we are live. And for so many years, we've been doing this podcast since 2012. It's been a long time. You and I have been doing this podcast since 2013. For the long time, we avoided doing anything live because, you know how many times we would cut before and like all the editing that would go on on this show? We were terrified of going live. So it's like if a few likes are in the middle of of a phrase, in the middle of a live show... I'll I'll take it. Yeah. It happens. Anyways, let's like get into like the rant line. <laughs> uh you guys had a lot to say after USC's uh win over the Arizona Wildcats. So uh let's just uh get into it, shall we? Hey Alicia. Hey Michael. Long time listener, first time caller. Uh well, I'm pretty sure I just died. Rainer Troy Radio, what's up? This is Dave from Orange County. Hello, Rainer Troy. It's Cameron from Fresco, Texas. This is Greg from D.C. again. Hey, guys. This is Michael on the 563. Uh, this is Scott from Memphis. Johnny from Tennessee again. Trinice from the west side. Torn from Oklahoma again. Hey, Rainer Troy. This is L.A. Fred calling. Rainer Troy, it's Dan from Valley Village. Hi, so uh, this is Dan, not from Valley Village. I don't even know where Valley Village is, honestly. And all I can say is that we didn't deserve that, but that seems very on-brand for USC, so whatever. Boy, SC's playing about like Kershaw pitch. (sighs) Friends, friends, friends. I don't really even know what to say for this rant, because I feel like I've said it not only several times already this season, but like for the past, I don't know, decade of USC football. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm I like pessimistic Alicia. That's the way I'm feeling at this point. It is unendingly frustrating to watch a team that conceivably has it all struggle so much week in, week out, and it begs the question as to why. In the fact that this is not a very good football team. When are we going to start putting this on Lincoln Riley. I mean, we've been blaming Grinch, blaming everyone in the world but him. He does not and chooses not to run the ball. I'm at the point of willing to risk the season as long as Grinch gets fired because this is just ridiculous. 
I just want to let y'all know I've been a fan for a very long time, and we need a new defensive coordinator. This is just completely hard to watch. At this point in time, if you think Mason Cobb should be starting for, well, probably 11th ranked team after winning and dropping again in the polls, you have never watched what a linebacker should look like. And after six games, and lately very frustrating six games for USC thus far, I've come to the realization that possibly the best and most logical thoughts on the last few weeks of Trojan football are perfectly summed up by my one-year-old grandson. And just so you all know, he doesn't even talk yet. I asked him about the USC offense, and he said, no, with a firm head shake. I asked him about the USC special teams. He said, ooh. I asked him about Alex Grinch and the USC defense, and he furthered that with another rousing boo. So for now, I think that's what I'm going with. If we get down 17 against Washington, Oregon, Notre Dame, I don't think we're coming back. Oh, man. The rest of the season's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great freaking time. I'm super excited about it. Especially at Eugene, we're going to we're just going to get killed. I mean, I would be shocked if anything else. So now you just assume the worst and hope for the best. I think I've come to the conclusion that I'm just going to hang on for the ride and see where it goes and enjoy it no matter which way it works out. You know, I have like four different calls, like, planned to call in for this game. Like, first call was going to be like, Damn it, this is a rant line, and this team is horrible, and the defense is horrible. And then the next one was like, oh, my God, we came back from 17 points down, and we came roaring back. And then the next call was like, oh, my goodness, this team, they're just crapping all over the place, and they missed that you know, field goal to win this game. And then you just see, now I'm on the fourth call, you just see the resi- resiliency from this team and Caleb Williams, and we just got to say, thank God we have this guy. I mean, he played subpar for him, but still amazing for 97 other percent of the other quarterbacks. The the magic of Caleb Williams is watching him play really badly, and at no point does it seem like he is internalizing that he's playing badly. And that's amazing because I think the quarterback who's in his head about all of his missed passes, all of his overthrown passes, all of the sacks he's taken, isn't running for the two-point conversion to win the game. I love how we have the resilience to come back, to fight for it. It is the definition of fight on. This is actually the one win that uh, is close. I actually feel good about it, man. We we can dug it out. Yes, the defense stinks, but they came up big when it really, really counted. We got Notre Dame this week, guys, so we need to dial it up. We need to get things cleaned up and ready for this. Irish lost today. You know, they would have loved to have won ugly, but they didn't. So let's go win again. Let's have a good Notre Dame prep week. Let's beat the Irish. Beat the Irish. And fight on, everybody. Okay, that's all I got. Fight on, guys. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. All right, y'all fight on. Fight on. Love the show. Fight out. Bye-bye. There we go. The uh, longest rant line of the season. What do you think? I I love that people are calling in. Um, It it took a triple overtime game against Arizona (laughs) to get people to call in again, but... That is how we, uh, that's how we get people, reintroduce people to the joys, um, of the rant line. It was, that was beautiful. It was all over the place in all of the best ways. So thank you everybody for calling in.
Yeah, absolutely. We got a million calls. Uh, it was fun to put everything together. Uh, the first... <laughs> The highlight of that was the defensive coordinator. I thought there were a few moments that uh, both Dan in and not in Valley, yeah, Valley Village. Village. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I am a fan of you guys. Uh, we are always a fan of you guys, and we hope that if you're a fan of us, then when you're going on the road this week, you're going to join DraftKings to help the show support the show because DraftKings is running a new promotion. They've doubled down, sort of, kind of, not doubled down. They've, they've, you know, reinvigorated their commitment to the show uh, because new users can now place a $5 bet to instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets. You can also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every time, every single day that you opt in. All you have to do is sign up uh, with our code Reign of Troy. Using the code Reign of Troy not only gets you these great bonuses, but it helps support this podcast, of course. And if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, use that code Reign of Troy to maximize your first bets and parlays. But, the, you know, the most critical part of all of this, it's only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states like Indiana. Like Indiana. Like Indiana. Mm-hmm. And like Illinois. Mm-hmm. And like Michigan. Mm-hmm. I, I've, been to, I, I've been to South Bend two times. One time I stayed in Michigan, the other time I stayed in Illinois. Guess what? Both of those states, in addition to Indiana, legal gambling states. So please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description in the full t- for the full terms of the offer uh, and join us uh, using the code Reign of Troy, all one word, uh, on DraftKings. But Alicia, it is time to get into uh, the news because we got a fair bit of, uh, of, of news. So let's get to it, shall we? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Prize Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Prize Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, we got to start with the polls. The new polls are out. Uh, and Alicia, it's another week, and it's another week. The Trojans are down a spot. Now down to number 10 in the AP poll. Still in the AP top 10, but number 10. Uh, Notre Dame dropped to number 21 after their loss to Louisville. 
Uh, UCLA back in there at 18 after their win over the Washington State Cougars. Uh, it's sort of a, you know, running sort of thing now that SC keeps dropping one spot after winning. But you, you got thoughts? Um, as I say every week, the polls don't matter. What matters is USC's performance, and USC's performance against Arizona was worthy of dropping them. I mm-hmm. personally uh, think they they could have dropped further. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say after the last three weeks. Um, the The thing about it, though, is it especially doesn't matter that USC dropped a spot because they, they dropped by just a few points to Texas. Yeah. Uh, if USC beats Notre Dame, they will be back up over Texas and they will get another spot on top of that because one of Washington and Oregon is going to lose. So I wouldn't sweat. I wouldn't sweat the polls. Uh, again, USC, I was actually just looking at ESPN FPI remaining strength of schedule. USC has the number one remaining strength of schedule in the country. Uh, mm-hmm. So you win your games, you will move up. Yeah. SC still has number, number seven, number eight. Uh, number 16, 18, uh, and 21 still on the schedule. That's mm-hmm. that's a lot of ranked games that SC still has to play. Uh, so don't worry about it. If SC wins those games, they're going to move up. Uh, the other thing is that the polls are not standings. It's yes. not just because Texas has a loss doesn't mean that they should automatically be behind SC. If that was the case, uh, all the unranked teams would be at the top of the poll, but it's, it's not always completely like that. So yeah. Uh, just wait it out. It 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 won't matter uh, right now. There's there's way more things that still have to go down uh, when the resume continues to sort itself. Uh, the other the other news to come out today uh, is that the draft kickoff happens for week eight, and lo and behold, for the first time all season, well since week one, I guess. Uh, the Trojans are playing in prime time. They, they played at five o'clock in week one. Well, uh, sorry, week zero. Technically playing in prime time um, this week. Yeah, prime time at home. I mean, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Well, prime time at home. Prime time. Prime at time in not a road game at Notre Dame yes. that was always going to be at five thirty, no matter what was going on. Yeah, yeah four thirty. Yeah, four four thirty. So yeah, uh, week eight against Utah at home. Trojans kicking off at five p.m. on Big Fox. Uh, should be a big one. Should be the one of the biggest home games of the year. Um, I would say one of the biggest home games of the year, but the next three home oh, games yeah. are all massive. <laughs> Utah, Washington, and UCLA. Uh, all three of those should be ranked teams and uh, should be a raucous, raucous crowd at the Coliseum. Uh, expect a sellout, near sellout, whatever it is, 5 p.m. Pacific. That's... I think that's the time people complain about the less, the, the least. So that's that's a win, right? Yes, definitely a win should be no complaints. Yeah, Tim in the chat says 5 p.m. is perfect for home games. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, let's get to uh, your weekly session, your weekly post-rewatch session. Uh, Optimistic and pessimistic Alicia is in the building. Uh, Where do you want to start? I want to start at neither to, to start with, I don't think it's a stock neutral. I just want to clarify something that mm-hmm. I thought was interesting on my rewatch. I have to apologize to the refs. They did get it right on the Michael Jackson the third touchdown reversal. I went back and did a freeze frame of the one 
front side angle that we had that showed mm-hmm. when his knee went down. His knee was down when the elbow of the defender was also down. Using that as a reference point on the side angle that we got, he was eh, short of the goal line. Like you could put a hair in between how short he was, but he was short. So I, I, I'll, I'll concede. I concede. It, it wasn't a touchdown. That's fine. Uh, now that that's out of the way, you, you want to start with the the pessimism? Yeah. Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. All right, go for it. USC's offensive line did not look prepared for what they saw from Arizona's defensive front. I do not know why they were not prepared for what they saw from Arizona's defensive front, because I don't think that Arizona would have left anything in the bag, considering that they played Washington the week before. So that's a worry. There was a lot of miscommunication. There was a lot of USC's offensive linemen seeming to not know who was responsible for blocking who, particularly when they were facing three-man fronts, which was Mm -hmm. the most frustrating of times that USC was giving up pressure and allowing guys to get into the backfield because those were situations where where Arizona was, you know, dropping seven, dropping eight, dropping, uh, you know, as, as many as they could, and they were still getting pressure. They were still getting into the backfield. Very, very frustrating from USC's offensive line. They can and should do better. Um, it's a worry. It's a cer- it's certainly a worry, that performance. And it's certainly unsettled. Caleb Williams, who even aside from that, was simply not throwing the ball well. It was yeah. very much a, an Oregon State uh, re- redux. Uh, straight up not throwing the ball well. And if he was throwing the ball well in this game, he's faced pressure in his face before and thrown the ball much better than he did in this game. Um, if he was throwing the ball well, I think USC's offense is able to find their rhythm much much more easily and able to uh, you know find the end zone uh, uh, more than they did. And we're having slightly different conversations about this game as a result. So offensive line, not good. Caleb Williams... Bailed them out with his legs, mm-hmm. couldn't do it with his arm, and that was really what set USC's uh, offense back. Um, pessimistic take on the defense. They're bad against the run and the pass. Yay! Uh, I continue to be flummoxed by the linebacker rotation, but in this game in particular, I was also flummoxed by the defensive line rotation because, or I guess not the rotation necessarily, but just the choices that are made on the defensive line. USC finally has some big dudes up front, but they refuse to play them together. It is either Bear Alexander or Keon Bars. And yeah. next to them is always one of um, Stanley Taufu or Tyrone Teleni, who are interior defensive linemen that I don't understand why that is when USC is getting run on the way that they're getting run on. And when USC is not generating pass rush from that particular position, regardless of which of those two is in the game, uh, because they are you know facing double teams and, and sort of getting mauled by the interior offensive linemen because they're undersized and not quick enough to combat that. The matchup, it's like a lost position on the field. It's just its just a black hole that nothing comes from in terms of production for USC's defense. I do not understand it. I can't think of a good reason why Bear Alexander isn't on the field with, with Keon Bars. That's thats where I'm at. I'm, I, I'm, I'm no longer trying to understand why Alex Grinch 
chooses to do what he does. But that's, I don't know, whatever. So, yeah, the pessimistic take is... I think the interesting thing about Not the rotation good. too, like going back to the linebacker stuff, is that Tackett Curtis, the guy that gets graded the the least on the, the lowest on Pro Football Focus, right? And yet he's the guy who's getting the starts. Yet as the game progresses, he gets pulled out of games. As the ball moves down the field, he gets taken off the field. Is there a world in which the start is just not valued by this coaching staff in the sense of like who starts doesn't matter. It's the, it's the pick and choose when and where you're, you're, you're starting your reps. Because if, if you are a hockey fan, you know this from the sense of like offensive zone starts, defensive zone starts, you put your best players in the best spots. You pick and choose when you're deploying them to me, it looks like that's what Grinch does sometimes. But that doesn't not all the time. But, but that like, still doesn't. It still doesn't make sense because in that case, it's, di- it's different than what we consider normal in football. In right. That, in that case, I want Eric Gentry on the field in the middle of the field where ta- you're not getting anything coverage wise from Taggett Curtis. Right. Um, and I want Shane Lee, like. I, I want him out there on on running downs, and and he's not out there just in in general, and and I I don't I don't uh, yeah I I, don't, I you're trying I I appreciate you trying to think, but when it comes down to it, like the the grades are what they are, and they're very bad. Right. Oh, yeah. And, I'm I'm just there's got to be some some generic explanation rather than just willingly choosing the guy that I think everybody can see maybe isn't the guy for this moment, right? Like It's just wild to me. It's absolutely wild to me that we are sitting here in October of 2023 and with very valid reasoning saying, why isn't Shane Lee playing more? Right. Why isn't Shane Lee starting? Why isn't Eric Gentry starting? Like, that's wild to me. Yeah. Number one, that we're having to ask the question of why isn't Eric Gentry starting? And number two, that, like, Shane Lee is is playing better than the other linebackers. USC's defense was at its best when Shane Lee was the was, was sort of the dude playing yeah. most, in, on the two games that, that USC didn't have any of the other linebackers available. So, I don't know. It's, I'm... Yeah, I... My biggest piece of pessimism is just that the the defense is just what it is and i can't make sense of it and i would love to understand but then in every other position the the personnel doesn't seem to matter no matter what they're giving up the plays so at a certain point it's i, I it does, maybe there's a way to fix this defense i'm very skeptical of that at this point yeah yeah i i, I don't know i don't know all right, let's get to the optimistic side. I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. Go for it. I'm going to stick with the defense first because, like I said, I, I, I've just sort of given up on the defense being being good. But I will give them credit. And, and I think it's it, it works really well that uh, Cameron in the chat said, uh, Paul Feinbaum said after the game that USC's defense lacks talent and lacks effort. Do you think this defense lacks talent and effort? Um 
I think that's just a flat out wrong assessment of this USC defense. I think there are individuals on USC's defense that are being given playing time who lack talent, who are being put in a position. Lack comparative talent. Lack comparative talent. Yeah. Okay. Like Bryson Shaw seems like a, a guy who gives max effort on every play. But the comparison to Ryan Gosling and Remember the Titans gets more and more valid every week. And, like, that is just... So who's the PD? I wish I knew, Michael. <laughs> I wish I wish there was an answer for that. Because that would, that would That would be big. Um, but, no, no I, I don't know that this team... I don't see this team lacking effort because this defense gives up 17 points in the first quarter and change. Yeah. And then holds Arizona, an offense that is capable of... of, of doing damage just by the sheer number of playmakers they have in their wide receiver core, hold them to 11, 11 points in regulation after that point. Right. They force two field goals when Arizona gets into the red zone and do a very good job of doing that. Those are critical moments for USC. Mm-hmm. They almost pull off a fourth, you know, the, the, uh, another stop where Arizona rightfully goes for it on fourth down and converts. Um, but they were, they they get the stops in overtime that they need. Like they are trying, they are efforting. There is efforting all over the field with this defense, which is why it's so frustrating because tactically they are not superior. Um, uh, the what 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 talent USC has is not always out there on the field in positions to succeed. So I. I think my optimistic take is the defense is trying. They are out there trying. You cannot say that they are not because if they didn't, if they weren't, they would have given up another many touchdowns to to Arizona. Um, it would have been really easy to just pack it in after going down seventeen nothing, right? Yes, and they and they yeah. didn't, and they continue to get really key third quarter stops, which has been a theme of the season so far. So the. <sighs> It's the it's the first and the third quarter, which is which is why I I see a lot of comments, uh, you know, here on on Twitter wherever that SC is not prepared, and I want to push back on that because I don't think that's the problem because the Arizona game was the first time all season that SC got you know punched in the face right at the beginning first of the quarter, game. Yeah. Everything else has been SC setting the tone immediately. Uh, there was a reason why SC had never trailed all season, was the last team in college football to trail at any point in the game. It's because SC had had a lot of game control by getting out there and having early leads, establishing early control. We talked about it before. They had only given up 14 points in the first in, in the first uh, quarter of games all year. It was a touchdown to ASU and then that one touchdown to Nevada. Uh, that was the only f- first quarter points SC had given up in the in in the first quarter. So I don't think it's a lack of being prepared. It's a lack of adjusting to things going on during the middle of games. It's a lack of we saw we saw it defensively against Arizona State and against Colorado, where like sometimes things just you know get away, especially against Colorado, we get away from them in the second half, where Colorado completely changes how they are from, they are moving the ball down the field, and SC has no answer. That isn't necessarily a lack of preparation. They went up thirty-four to seven. That's not a lack of preparation in that game, you know. So, yeah, yeah it, F, the effort and the preparation are there. It's the inability to react and to. That- 
have an answer that is flex an answer for every opponent, especially on defense that is flexible to in, to not only anticipate what the adjustments are going to be, but react to them. Yeah, I I agree with Cam Hammer in the chat. A better coach gets more out of these guys, not worlds more, but more. And and yeah. I think that that that's pretty clear. I don't think that this defense is failing because they they aren't out there trying or that they aren't out there preparing as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. I think there is a fundamental problem with the defense. Right. Um but that's my my optimistic take is for all the fundamental problems of the defense you cannot accuse them of not fighting. They go out there and fight, which is why they get stops occasionally and the way that they do. Um, the last bit of the optimistic corner is Caleb Williams. He's good. I, I, I've, I've heard that he's good. It's not yeah. just that he's, good, that he's good. Caleb Williams has a will to win. Oh, God. That you're, is you're, on you're, another level. You're quoting Hawk Harrelson here? I don't want to quote Hawk Harrelson. I just want to say his will to win alone is is elite tier. And you can see that in the way that USC went out and won this game. Because at a certain point in the game, Caleb Williams was like, fine, I'll just do it myself. Mm-hmm. And fine, I will... I will stand in the face of pressure and just run away from it. And I will, yeah. I will force my way into, I will, I will sneak through every little inch of, of grass that I can find to try and get this offense going. And having that is one of the big reasons why you and I both are very frustrated with some of the commentary that's come out of the, the state of the program right now, because USC is never out of a game. So long as Caleb Williams is on the field, yeah. that much is true. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. There's 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 a lot to unpack there with with all those things. He absolutely like. I I thought one of the best calls that we got in the rant line stuff was from our friend Trinice, who said that he had a terrible game. Right, like Caleb had a terrible game. There's yeah. no way to 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 sugarcoat it. He he did not look good and by by, by his standards, and yet. Um, even after nearly losing the game and throwing it away on that last drive right before the field goal at the end of the game, he still had the poise to make the plays in overtime. Yes. By the way, um, another another credit to the defense that I forgot to bring up. Caleb fumbles, real bad, like should not happen. Don't know what happened on that play. Still don't understand it. But the fumble, immediately defense responds, huge interception. Yeah. They have responded well to turnovers as well. The very, very rare moments that USC makes those turnovers, the defense does tend yeah. to respond, and that's that's good. Colorado game notwithstanding, but yes. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, SC's only had a few turnovers all yeah. season, so uh, that's going to change things that way. Uh, all right, uh, we got a huge mailbag, so we got to run and get to uh, the over-under. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right. We got to start with the over-under going into the week. I had a one-game lead at 16 and 14. You were 15 and 15. Uh, your first over-under for the week was over-under four and a half. Arizona plays of 20-plus yards. <laughs> Four and a half. Uh, I took the under. Their be- average their average on the season was 4.3, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I took the under because I just thought the, the line was was high. So you could give up four and they could still get the under. 
Yeah, it, it was nine. Uh, it was nine. You, you get that one majorly. Nine times. Mm-hmm. Nine times nine. Arizona had a play of 20 plus yards, which nine. is <laughs> the stupid, the, the stupid sports brained Alicia right now is is having thoughts like, well, you know what? You can only give up so many explosive plays in a game. Like if you're giving up <laughs> 10 points in every in 10, 10 explosive plays in every game and you're doing it to Arizona, maybe you're just going to give up 10, 10 explosive plays to Oregon and Washington as well. Yeah. And Notre Dame. And it's like right now I would take nine explosive plays for Notre Dame <laughs> if the performance is similar to this game. So on defense. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was it was a lot. It was it was nine, and uh, you get that one uh, for sure. Next one was over under thirty five point five percent for USC's third down conversion rates. I, I thought this was you know in the bag to be an over. Uh, of course, you took the over. Eighty nine point seven percent of the Rotbots took the over. At least it was. It was under. The Trojans were three of nine. The fact that it was under was horrendous for USC. So mm-hmm. yeah, this um, is the game, right? Like yeah, I I think there if if SC is good on third down and they're good on offense at the beginning of the game and they if they hold serve during that seventeen point onslaught at the beginning of the game and then continue to score in the middle quarters, they end up winning this game probably like what you would have thought, like mm-hmm. a, a fifty to twenty something game. And everything's fine, but they don't. And in part because they could not do anything on third down, especially at the beginning of it. Comes down to the offense there. You got you got to be better when uh, when push comes to shove. Uh, let's go to the next one. Over under four and a half. Dorian Singer touches playing his former team. I took the under. Locks you into the over. It was under. Uh, he. He had zero, uh, zero touches for Dorian Singer. He had one target on the very first play of the game also, uh, and nothing after that. He also drew a pass interference um, penalty that was kind of big. Mm-hmm. So I'll give that. I still yeah. think, I think it's weird that USC didn't try to get him involved more. The way that we've seen them try to get someone like Zachariah Branch just to feed him a little bit. Uh, and see what he can do. Yeah. I yeah, that was that was a choice. Uh next one, over under for me, I said over under three and a half Arizona first quarter points. Oh my god. Yeah, I could have told you this was uh, uh... <laughs> So going into it, the Wildcats had not scored a single first quarter point against an FBS opponent this season. Uh and of course, in true amazing hilarious irony. Uh, it's way over. Uh, Arizona wise. scored ten points. Smash that over, uh, and then ended up going up seventeen nothing early on in the second quarter. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a big over under win for you. Uh, your last line was over under three and a half. Arizona quarterback scrambles for a first down. I took the under. Thought your line was too high. Uh, locks you into the over. Uh, it was under. It was one. Noah Fafita had one run for a uh, first down. Matches his uh, season output uh, coming in. Yeah. Um, he didn't really need to. 
I mean, it's damning when you put it that way. Um, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, next, uh, last one over under eight and a half tackles for loss for the Trojans, which would have been under the, the line was technically under their, their average. Um, you took the under, uh, locks me into the over. Uh, it was over. The Trojans were right on cue where they should be nine. They Literally nine tackles for loss. Triple overtime. Two point conversion shootout is how they got the over on this. Yeah, the the other thing, um, but those don't count, by the way. Do they not? No. Oh, okay, never mind. No, uh, uh, two point conversions are considered like a binary play. It's a yes or no. I, so you don't I, get sorry, you don't get not, you don't get a tackle for a tackle on a two point conversion. No. Oh. You don't get a touchdown. No, it's uh, there's a there's a word for this. Uh, coders in the chat there's a word for like what a yes no code thing is it's whatever it is i I know the word i'm just not thinking about it but that's what that's how it goes down is that did you convert yes or no that's all it is it's you don't get any statistics no no one on the field gets statistics for it no but the funny part is we talk about how this team is only this defense only has tackles for loss boolean there we go thank you tim uh only gives up um Tackles for loss or explosive plays. Nine tackles for loss in this game. Nine explosive plays. Right on cue. Equal. Perfect. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's get to... Uh, so, of course, uh, I get that over-under because I got locked into the over there. Uh, weekly score, I went four and two. You went two and four. Uh, season standings, I now have a nice little lead. Nice little three-game lead. I'm 20 and 16. You're 17 and 19. Yeah, I just need uh, I just need a big week. Yeah. Uh let's go to the weekly uh the, the weekly leaders who went 6 and 0 for, for the Rotbots. Nobody, not a single one of you. Nobody went 6 and 0. Nobody. But there were 5 and 1s. Fighting on MC from Palmdale, Brian from the IE, Richard and Gpat all went 5 and 1. The bulk of everybody though went 3 and 3. It was true carnage. Among the over under for the Rotbots, it was insane how there was nobody at the uh, at the at the peak. So if you went five and one, feel really good about yourself. Uh, season leaders to date: Vince in uh, Southern Damascus, uh, twenty seven <laughs> and nine. Uh, Jay Vandy and Stephen Chad are tied for second place uh, with a record of twenty six and ten. So there we go. Very That's where we are. All right, we got a lot, a lot, a lot uh, to get to in the mailbag, so let's get to those. You've got mail. All right, uh, let's start. Uh, where are we starting here? Uh, let's start with an email we got from uh, Tony. Uh, Tony says, uh, this is Tony from Denora, PA, because it's how Tony starts every email, of course. We won, we fought back, and we won, and that's a good thing. Overall, it was an ugly performance. Caleb is a special player, but can't win himself. The play call in the end of the last drive in regulation was horrible. What was going on when a team keeps seven DBs on the field? You have to dominate their D-line and run the ball. Uh, it's 250 on the East Coast, and I'm drained, so I'm going to get a snack. Fight on Tony in Denora, PA. Yeah, I I think one of my biggest frustrations with this game was, number one, the amount of pressure that USC allowed uh, with that three-man front, even when when Arizona wasn't sending additional pressure. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but also, when they were in that three-man front, I really would have liked USC to just hand the ball off. Yeah. And um, I think that that would have helped quite a bit. And they, they chose not to run. That's that's USC. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to an email, a uh, voicemail we got from uh, Tim in Riverside. Uh, Tim from Riverside. I, I am <laughs> game just ended, and I'm officially over Riley as this offensive guru. Um, I don't think he's a genius. I frankly don't even think he, I, I know that the numbers are there, but I just think he's a fantastic quarterback. It's, it's very clear that the tone of the conversation shifted last week. People started talking about Riley after, you know, talking about the defense for so long. And then tonight I'm looking and I'm, I'm looking at the bizarre decisions, uh, the refusal to run. Uh, you know, you spend so much time in your program building and developing the GT counter guard tackle pull and he just abandoned it for the second year in a row about game five game six just like last year they just stopped running it and uh and that was strange and they, they ran it close to the end of the game when they needed to um pass happy a lot of the time um the offense worked <laughs> when the when the defense didn't and vice versa but uh but regardless even the things that did work to me it's just caleb it's all caleb that's the big that's the thing that i was suspicious of Ever since watching uh, Riley over at um, at, uh, at Oklahoma, I, I just I don't know I just wasn't sold on it, but I thought oh, maybe I'm missing something. But after tonight and this whole season, frankly, the past two seasons, the great offensive genius that I'm seeing is just having the best player in college football run around for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and make plays. You know, you look at other programs and they don't have a guy like Caleb, but there's people who are schemed open. There's things that make sense. It just it just feels more precise, but I think anybody could call plays where nobody gets open and Caleb has to run around. Uh, Thanks for the call, Tim. Go ahead. I have a very, I know you have a a longer response to this. I have a very quick response to this. Um, Every offense in the country looks bad. Every play caller in the country looks bad when Mm -hmm. their offensive line is getting beat. Yeah. And to me, it's very simple. USC's offensive line was just getting beat in this game. They were getting beat physically. They were getting beat tactically, all of those kinds of things. And I have criticisms of Lincoln Riley's ability to, um, in this game to counter counteract that. But even then, if you are counteracting your offensive line getting overrun, mm-hmm. you're already working from a deficit. I think this is a massive overreaction to what years of of uh yeah of data and 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 eye test and everything else that we have seen and specifically seen at USC mm-hmm. guys are schemed open at USC all the time but if Caleb is running for his life it starts because there's a man in the backfield immediately and the play is no longer being run the way that the play was designed to being run you're in back backyard football right there and then yeah. so i think that's reading something I, that's not there. But go ahead. I, I think there's plenty of criticism to have about this offense um, after the Arizona game. We talked about it after the Colorado game. They had one bad quarter in the Colorado game. They had three incredible quarters in the Colorado game. Because this team, when the offense is gelling, looks incredible, right? Like, they went up 41-14. Um, they scored 41 points uh, against Colorado early on in the game and looked good, right? 
we said after the Colorado game, it was nitpicky to talk about the, the, the offense because it was, they had one bad quarter really all season. I guess you could say that they had a bad quarter against ASU where it's finite little numbers. You're not going to come up on the podcast and say that this, this offense that is like number one in EPA and all these things is bad, right? Then the Arizona game happens and the offense was legitimately bad. They got bailed out by Arizona penalties and all these things. So Legit- I think we can be we can be critical of the offense, right? What are you saying? I'm just I just also want to point out the levels here that a legitimately yeah. bad USC offensive performance was 28 points in regulation, 43 points overall. Yes. When I watch legitimately bad struggle fest offenses across the country every Saturday, and there are teams that are struggling when they're when they're having a day like USC is having. They don't score fourteen points. So yes. again, sorry, and continue. Yes, part of that is because Caleb grabbed the offense by the scruff of the neck and took them forward. And yes. people were making the same you know talks about about you know Sam Darnold, right? But this is not the same situation. And also, this idea that Lincoln Riley has only been good because he's had good quarterbacks. Let's run down the history. Uh, he goes to, to Oklahoma in 2015. He takes a guy named Baker Mayfield, who was cut at Texas Tech, essentially, as a walk-on from a, by a head coach named Cliff Kingsbury. You ever heard of the guy? Uh, yeah, he's on SC staff right now. Uh, Sam Baker, uh, Sam Baker, Baker Mayfield goes to Oklahoma, sets all of their career passing records under Lincoln Riley, finishes fourth, third, and first in the Heisman Trophy voting, while setting the NCAA record for passer rating twice. Twice. This kid was a walk-on at at, at Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about Kyler Murray, right? Uh, Two-sports star, all of the hype coming out of Arizona as as a recruit. Goes to Texas A&M, falls flat on his face, has a bad freshman season. He leaves, transfers to Oklahoma, thinking he's going to beat out that guy named Baker Mayfield. Doesn't, has to sit out a year. Then he backs him up in 2017. 2018, he finally wins the job. What does he do? He breaks Baker Mayfield's passer rating record with Lincoln Riley as the head coach. The next year. now Okay, now Lincoln Riley, oh God, he's he's was without Baker Mayfield, his great quarterback. Uh, but yeah, he replaced him with Kyler Murray, another one. But oh no, he's, he's never going to do it again, folks. He goes out and gets Jalen Hurts, a guy who was benched at Alabama after winning a national championship, whose career passer rating at Alabama Alabama was 148.8, which is, in this day and age of college football, is fine. It's not not great. It's not elite. He was benched. And mind you, he had his offensive coordinators at Alabama, Lane Kiffin and Brian Dable. I, two very good offensive minds. Extremely well-respected offensive Yes, he goes to Oklahoma, passer rating of 191.2, second only to Joe Burrow in that magical season of 2019. His yards per attempt, 11.3 in yards per attempt. Yards per attempt, that's throwing the ball downfield, that's being explosive. That's not what he was known for in Alabama. That's number one in the country, a full half yard above... Joe Burrow in that magical season of 2019. Like, okay, so Lincoln Riley only does great with these good quarterbacks. All right, well, then 2020, Spencer Rattler, and you know, Spencer Rattler sucked at OU, right? Like, that's the thing. Spencer Rattler's passer rating, 
and I know I'm just talking about passer rating a lot, but passer rating in 2020 would be a USC school record today, 172 as a first-year starter. And he was the bad quarterback. He was the worst. He, he was the he was the he was the bad quote unquote bad quarterback under Lincoln Riley. So you look at all the other offensive metrics. Oklahoma in 2020, third in SP plus on offense. Yeah, like most of the metrics are like top 10 to top 15. They did fall out by not having the best player in the country like they had been the years before. But that was the bad situation, and they were still a top 10 offense. Number six in yards per play. Sorry, number 10 in yards per play. Like, if, if you have one good quarterback to your name, it could just be a fluke. If you have two good quarterbacks to your name, yeah. you could just be really lucky. If you have three good quarterbacks to your name, you're probably pretty good at developing quarterbacks. If you have five incredible, elite, top-tier quarterbacks to your name, or at least four of them, you are, like, it's you. It's you as a recruiter, as a developer, as, a, as an offensive schemer. Yeah, I, I you. There's I, a reason Caleb Williams went to Oklahoma. He wanted to play for Lincoln Riley. There's a reason that Caleb Williams followed Lincoln Riley to USC. He right. wanted to play for Lincoln Riley because he understood that this is who Lincoln. This is the quarter quarterbacks. This is what they do under Lincoln Riley. Right. That doesn't mean that Lincoln Riley and, is perfect or that no. he's doing everything right. But the idea that he is not an elite offensive coordinator in this country that that 99.99% of the of the offenses in this country wouldn't trade their offensive coordinator for Lincoln Riley at this exact moment and probably get better because of it is insane. It's insane that that yeah. that there is this this weird warped like because of one because of one or two weird games where things didn't go exactly to plan and USC still puts up a million, you know, a million points that Lincoln Riley is somehow like overrated. That's that's not that's not it. Yeah, I I am I am willing to believe there could, there absolutely could be a world where the rest of the world catches up to Lincoln Riley. We saw that with Chip Kelly at at, at Oregon, right? Um, but literally a week ago, SC was number one in like all these offensive metrics. They're still number one in most of the offensive metrics. Yeah, I, I looked it up earlier today. They're they're oh oh god, uh, SC is only number five in offensive points per drive now. Like, let's take a deep breath. SC yeah. does scheme guys open. Yes, they should run the ball more, and yes, that we should be critical about the performance against Arizona and Caleb needs to be better and Lincoln Riley needs to manage that situation better a thousand percent but Lincoln Riley is still a good offensive mind but like look what are we what are we doing here it's the same it's the same sort of inverse of like of Pete Carroll Pete Carroll great off great defensive mind great defensive coordinator he had his defenses ready to play there was always one game a season where they just yeah well SC scored 17 points Against Oregon State last year, and yeah. <laughs> need to pull that other ass with Brett yeah. Nealon pushing Caleb Williams across the the line on fourth down. Remember, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's get an email we got from Tom. Uh, hi, Alicia and Michael. Warning: This is pessimistic Tom from the Cayman Islands. Uh, I hear Lincoln Riley being called a top five coach in college football, but right now, based on his time at USC, I'm not sure you'd take him over DeBoer, Lanning, or Winningham just in the conference. 
let let alone all of college football. In addition, USC seems to be struggling to pull in high, uh, in pulling in good high school recruiting classes. Top twenty probably doesn't cut it if you want to be in contention for the playoff consistently. It seems like they keep missing out on big linemen. I don't know if it's more USC being conservative when it comes to NIL, but it doesn't seem like a recipe for consistent long-term success. I'd love to hear that I'm overreacting, but right now I don't trust this team based on the play I'm seeing. Thanks, Tom in the Cayman Islands. I think it's perfectly reasonable to not trust this team based on the play that you're seeing on the field. I I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think that Lincoln Riley is facing a lot of... Somebody in the chat was like... or Somebody in the the rant line was, when is Lincoln Riley going to sort of... Uh, bear the bear the brunt of the of the blame for the way USC is playing. He's already bearing the brunt for me because he kept Alex Grinch. He is dragging Alex Grinch is is the um, is the albatross hanging around Lincoln Riley's neck, right. and he's still not drowning. By the way, <laughs> which is why I am so fervent in my defense of Lincoln Riley because. He's still 6-0. and He still had USC on the brink of the college football playoff with the albatross of Alex Grinch hanging around his neck. Yeah. Um, there are very valid criticisms to be had. I also think that DeBoer and Lanning and Whittingham are getting... are getting bumps because of lack of... of, of sort of um, sample size. Uh, well, well, I, I think DeBoer and Lanning, it's still way too early to, to be saying outright that either of them are a better head coach than Lincoln Riley when neither of them has achieved even a fraction of what Lincoln Riley has already achieved in his career as a head coach. Uh, Lincoln Riley is at a point where people want to know, can he take, can he go from being at the sort of upper upper echelon tier into a national title winning tier. Right. But DeBoer and Lanning haven't even improved that they're in the upper echelon tier yet. And Whittingham oh. certainly continues to face question marks about why his team has never taken this, the next step from very good in the Pac-12 to competing for college football playoffs. Like the, everybody, every coach in the country, not named Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, have massive question marks about what their ceiling looks like. Yeah, that that's those are the tears. It's it's Saban and it's Smart, and then there's a big gap to everybody else. Um, but in the next in the next tier, I think is all of these guys. Lincoln Riley. I don't Harbaugh. think Lincoln Riley is in the same tier as DeBoer and Lanning and Winningham right now. I I th- I just don't think he is I, because I think, that's that's denying the history of the, his the history, of his sure. head coaching yeah. career. That's fair. I I believe that that DeBoer is a very good coach. So I'm I gonna, love like, Kalen DeBoer. For I'm the all record. about DeBoer. So I'm going to put DeBoer in that category for me personally. Okay. So like, yeah. But the the I think there's there's criticisms criticisms to be made about Lincoln Riley as a head coach. We can talk about all of those. The the Alan, Alex Grinch decision, one hundred percent. We all of that. There's not criticisms about him as an offensive coordinator uh, for the most part. Does that make sense? I think those two are two different things. Yeah, like, no, I, and, and I think, I, think I, I have questions about Lincoln Riley and his 
overall decision making and he needs to continue to learn and grow from his mistakes to, yeah. to get to the point where we all hope that he gets by right. leading a national title uh and and right now the mistake that he has made with regard to Alex Grinch is of a mountainous proportion yeah for sure so that like I'm not overlooking that Mm-hmm. But yeah. I also, and I put this on Twitter too. Somebody there, there was discussion about UCLA and their defensive turnaround this year, and you know Chip Kelly had to make a hire of a new defensive coordinator, and seems to have gotten that hire right. And it really comes down to that's the the switch flip for me. The moment Lincoln Riley makes the right defensive coordinator hire these conversations are not being had because right. USC's defense, USC's offense doesn't have to score 40 points in every single game in order for them to get out of a jam. Yeah. Well, Jackie in the chat said people need to relax a bit. Uh, <laughs> Riley has three in all caps, three Heisman trophy winners. Yeah. He screwed up with you, the DC, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. You don't do that by accident. It, it, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Uh, Discord comment we, or message we got from Tim in LA. Help me make sense of this. Caleb numbers this season are better than at this point last season, but he was winning without having to be Superman and his Heisman stock dropped last week. He struggled, but then it turned into Superman a few times to secure the win. And now his Heisman stock seems to improve. Does individual flashiness really matter that much? And should it? I mean, yes, uh, individual flashiness is, is yeah. a huge I mean, part of, of winning a Heisman. This is why quarterbacks gigantic win it. Gigantic part. I mean, the, the term Heisman moment exists because of that, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for me, I will continue to say, I think every quarterback is probably going to have a game or two where their their arm isn't there, where the, the, the passing, they're mm-hmm. just having an inaccurate day for whatever reason. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I think that just happens to every, to every court, but look, Sam Hartman out there throwing three interceptions. Quinn Ewers out there throwing two interceptions and having, having a, a fumble. Um, we two see interceptions this, and then he completed like the next 17 yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We, we see this every season, every, every quarterback has a bad day where I think that Caleb Williams improves his Heisman stock is because when he was having the bad day, he still went out there and scored four touchdowns by sheer force of will. And that sheer force of will is a really good reminder that um, of, of, of what what an elite playmaker he is. Mm-hmm. But also, Heisman standings do not exist in a vacuum, just like rankings. Michael Penix didn't play last week. Bo Nix didn't play last week. Yeah. And the quarterbacks I've already named had bad games. Um, Dylan Gabriel had his stock rise in, uh, considerably in the Heisman, Heisman rankings because he played and because he won. And that will always be the push and pull of a season um, that every Heisman candidate is working with and against. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've said it all off season. One of the reasons that I think Caleb can repeat is that his numbers weren't great last year. Uh, they, they were good. They were very good. They were better than any other USC quarterback ever. They weren't as good as they could have been. They weren't as good as Kyler Murray's and Jalen Hurts's and, and Baker Mayfield's. And we know that a Lincoln Riley offense can produce those kind of numbers. And right now, Caleb Williamson's numbers are better than what those other guys are. 
So and he has Heisman moments. Yeah. So like I think that it can get to the end of the the season and people go, well, we gave him the Heisman last year and oh, well his passer rating is fifty points higher, right? Like yeah. I think that can sort of be a thing. So, um, but I don't know. We'll see. Like you said, uh, who's going to win the Heisman? I think it's going to be whoever wins the Pac-12. Uh, is going to have a big showing for it. Uh, Penix and and Knicks and uh, you know maybe even Trader Sanders if if Cam Ward can make a run at like a quarterback whoever it is. It the person who wins the Heisman will be a quarterback whose team is in the college football playoff or in contention for the college football playoff. Yeah, either or, either or, um, for sure. Uh, let's get to a voicemail we got from Jason. This is Jason, class twenty seventeen. We were just watching the game, um, you know, pretty brutal game, hoping to be national champions. Obviously, uh, tonight's game put a little bit of a wrinkle in that. What do you think of the defense? What do you think of the offense? I mean, Caleb clearly wasn't on his game tonight. You know, do you think we have what it takes to go to the Natty? Serious, hear yourself. Thanks. Love your stuff. Thanks for the call, Jason. Uh, do we think SC has what it takes right now to get the national championship? No. No. They don't have a national no. title defense. And and yeah. and going into the season even even though I expected USC's defense to be better than it was, I was still skeptical of the idea that they were going to be good enough to win a national title. Uh the offense always felt like capable of winning a national title, although I had questions about the offensive line and those questions are getting bigger um because USC is replacing a lot of guys there. Uh, but the defense needed to go in order for USC to get to the playoff, the defense needed to go from where they were to top 50. In order to com- actually compete for a national title, to not end up like the exact same thing that happened to TCU last year, the defense needed to go from where they were to top 25. They yeah. cert- I didn't think they were going to do that. They certainly have not done that. I do not think this is a team that uh, realistically contends for the national title. Having said that, Caleb Williams is of a caliber that if USC scraps and claws their way through and gets to the Pac-12 title game and scraps and claws their way through and wins 55 to 53 and Mm -hmm. gets into the playoff, this team, because of Caleb Williams, because of that offense, will have a puncher's chance. I would not favor them in that scenario, but they would have a puncher's chance, just like TCU did last year. And they got to the game where they had a chance of something happening and 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 and, and the miracle happening. So uh, it, that's where I stand it, on everything. It, it, and it obviously it did, didn't happen did because they happen. ran into no. Georgia and yeah. everyone's going to have to run into Georgia. Yeah. So I, So the the way I look at it, a couple of things. No, I SC does not have the defense. But we talked about it all off season. SC just needs a top 50 defense. Uh, and if you don't think that, I think you're lying to yourself because you got to look back at last season. First of all, SC schedule is much harder this year than, than it was last year. You should take that for what it's worth. But last season, SC was, I genuinely think you can look at it. It was like a two-point conversion away from going to the playoff. Uh, they lose to, to Utah on a two-point conversion at the end of the game where Whittingham didn't have to go for two. At home, you don't have to go for two there. He does. Utah gets it. SC loses. That's the first loss of the season. 
If SC is able to stop that that two-point conversion, Utah doesn't go to the Pac-12 championship game. SC's 12-0 and not needing to win the Pac-12 championship game to get into the playoff. They're in. And that's with the defense making literally one more play last year. As is. And that's a defense that nobody trusts, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to to say that they can't do that this year, I think you're lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. It's just Would I bet on it? No. But I think it's possible. The second part about this, if if SC did do do that and they got to the the to the playoff or they they got to the playoff uh, the national championship and they they won it, don't let a single person tell you, oh, it was just because of Caleb Williams, like as if that means less than anything else. Yeah. Oh, if they didn't have Caleb Williams, where would they be? But they do have him, like. <laughs> But yeah. they do. Like, okay, does it mean less? No. Does it does it bode well for next year? I mean, maybe not, but who cares? You won the thing. Like, who who cares? Like, if they razzle-dazzle their way there, they razzle-dazzle their, their way there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just saying. Uh, let's go to an email we got from Eric, and this is a long one. So uh, this this is all you. Oh, oh, good times. Okay. Yeah. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. I'm writing because I'm curious if you've watched any of the Monday reactions from other fan bases. Miami immediately comes to mind. Every single one of their fans sums up their loss with a simple, kneel the effing ball. They, Miami, took their first loss. The win was theirs, but the football gods had other plans. Anyway, this leads to the word that I'm hearing a lot from pundits I respect in regards to USC football. The word, and I believe you guys have mentioned it too, which is perspective. As a fan that hasn't called for Grinch getting fired or decries the missed tackles or screams concern about our offense not performing to our normal explosive play selves, we are undefeated heading into our matchup against Notre Dame. So far, each and every game we've played has has had us going into that contest undefeated. I hope that our fan base appreciates this, and especially from here on out, all our other flaws and critiques get to be put on the back burner as each and every game now is only about winning. We can win ugly. We can win by having the defense make a single stop when needed. We can win with the offense carrying us. We can win by the magic of Caleb Williams. I don't care how. Let's just win. If and when we lose, then we can proceed with our overreactive ways and sound the alarms and scream all we want. But I'll tell you this. A pundit who was a former player said this, and I like to settle on this statement before I even get the slightest frustrated with the team's performance. He said, the fans don't get to see our efforts or preparation to win each and every week. No one on this team goes out there on game day to lose. My perspective is that we have a team that is capable of winning a national championship with all our flaws and everything else that winning entails. I understand that without the commentary, the ability to make a show is difficult. I even get that some fans make comments just to troll. Anyway, love the show. Thanks for letting me rant. I'm out in Virginia, so the car cast at 3 a.m. My time is tough to stay awake, but I appreciate what you do. Fight on. That's Eric. Um, first and foremost, Eric, great email. Email. I agree 100%. I think his point is something that neither you or I have brought up, but I think needs to also be said. Going mm-hmm. into the season, we talked about the season being split in two. The first six weeks and the last six weeks. And the first six weeks weren't going to really tell us anything because the first six weeks you had to assume that USC was going to to make it through six and zero. And if they did six and zero, then everything the, the the rest of the season is where your sort of meat is made. And he's he's right 
from this point on, style points literally don't matter. Your yeah. schedule is so difficult. You c- you win by a two-point conversion. You win in overtime. You win by a fluky field goal. You win by a, 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 a random bounce of a ball. If you win, it that's that. Winning is literally the only thing that matters. The style points are completely irrelevant from here on out. And I think that's a really, really good point because the only way that that was going to be a case for USC was you had to first make it through the first six weeks without stumbling, without getting caught looking ahead, without Mm -hmm. uh, falling into a trap game. And I'm not saying that USC did it pretty. I'm not saying that USC did it in ways that fill me with confidence that they can make it through the next six weeks. But they are still six and zero, which is what, which is more than the vast majority of teams in college football can say at this moment. Yeah, uh, one of one of our friends, uh, I think it was Saman from Traveler Hates Thursdays, said that SC can just be Bizarro um, uh, Trestle, the the Bizarro Trestle yeah. Buckeyes, right? <laughs> like winning despite uh, everything else, they can ugly their way there just with an offense to carry them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's truly an NFL season now for the rest of for the rest of the, the rest of the go. You beat all the, the the good teams on the schedule, five ranked teams. You beat those guys. Nothing else matters. You can beat them ugly. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, would I predict that they're going to? No, but if you do, you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how it works. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from uh, Ty. Hey guys, this is Ty calling from Boston. I just wanted to give some perspective. Are we underselling uh, Arizona's talent a little bit? And then how afraid are we really of any team other than Oregon? Notre Dame doesn't look good, um, just flat out. Doesn't look good. Utah's going to be without Cam Rising. Um, Oregon's the only team on the schedule that has legitimately looked good in Almost every game, with the exception of the Texas Tech game. That's all I got. Just want to hear your thoughts on that fight on Trojans. Uh, talk to y'all later. Thanks for the call, Ty. I I've got thoughts on this. This was a really long call that I the quality not the best, so I had to, to doctor it up and cut part of it that we that was sort of inaudible. So try to make the most of it there because it was. I thought it was a really good call that. There is there. I think Arizona. There is absolutely a world where we look back at the end of the season and think that Arizona is a pretty damn good team. Um, it's going to matter what they do against everybody else. Uh, but playing Washington close and probably should have beaten SC the way the way that they did on Saturday. Like this is a team that could go like nine and three if they didn't have a like completely terrible murderer's row schedule, right? Um, and if they made the right decision at quarterback, Jaden Delara probably shouldn't be the quarterback. It should be Fafita. We know they've got elite talent at wide receiver and all that sort of stuff. But this is a Pac-12 where everyone's going to eat each other. And I don't think they're going to have a record that's going to show how good they are. Uh, on the flip side, I I think Utah is a team that's, you know, incredibly good defensively and you know they might be the best defensive team in the in in the conference it could be ucla i don't know but the offense is a big question and notre dame is not what the the team that we would have you know thought a couple weeks ago 
But I don't know that that changes anything, even though you can look at and look at it and see the, the flaws in the other teams. Because they're looking at SC and seeing the flaws in SC too. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't... I am looking at the next six games and thinking that they are extremely difficult because USC will be on the road at Notre Dame. And listen, I know that Notre Dame just lost to Louisville and I know that they uh, they lost to Ohio State, but I think it's also a big overreaction to say that Notre Dame is not is not a good team. That 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 team is not easy to beat. And going in thinking anything otherwise, certainly in South Bend is is kidding yourself. I I I don't think Notre Dame should be taken lightly. Their defense is a worry right. for a USC offense that is yeah. not that is not vibing right now. Um and Sam Hartman is a good enough quarterback to explosive play his way down the field against a USC defense. South that, Bend is an incredibly difficult place to yeah. play. Um, yeah. But on top of that, I think Oregon and Washington are in the same exact category. Oregon uh, struggled with Texas Tech. Washington uh, nearly had a, a trip up against Arizona. Both of those teams are playing at a very high level. Uh, USC has to play both of them in back-to-back weeks. That is extremely difficult. So uh, the... The schedule is very, very tough. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to downplay that. Yeah, uh, let's go to a call we got from the seven seven five area code. I just want to ask you guys. I know that there's been a lot of talk about uh, USC's defense and everything else. Like, I haven't heard a lot about other teams making plays. I know that Colorado, with their quarterback and their receivers, made plays. Arizona made plays. Um, I know that we're supposed to always think about USC's defense and what they're doing and what their coaches are doing, but do we ever consider the other teams have good players? Like their their lines can block, their quarterback's good, their wide receivers are good. Shador Sanders is going to be a first-round pick eventually. Do we ever consider the other teams have good players and they make their own plays? We get that USC should always have a tackle for loss, an interception, um, whatever, but the other teams have players too that are good. So just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, I think the other players do. The other teams do have good good players, and they do make good plays. Uh, McMillan, I think, had a couple of huge, great catches on Saturday, which we the, knew he would. The the jump, yeah. When we talked about it, the jump ball. I don't think there was any way to defend that. He made a play that. You know, we've seen Drake London make and, when, and Michael Pittman when make. When USC's players make that play, we don't sit there going like, oh, the opposing defense is so trash. Right. We praise the player for making yeah. the play. At the yeah. same time, SC's problem is limiting the plays that they can make a stop on when it's like the missed tackles. And I think it's the missed tackles that is what, you know, I think gets fans riled up. It's not getting mossed. You know, like... That yeah. that happens, okay. You can you can you can tip your cap to it, but like, uh, for the most part, the the bulk of of what's going down for USC's mistakes when you're talking about the explosive plays that they're giving up, is not simply because of you know other teams making plays. Yes, other teams are making plays, and you know Scatterboo at at Arizona State was a hell of a gamer, right? He also shouldn't have had that long fifty-two yard touchdown run. Like it it can be both things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But that's why 
in all things balance. I, I the the I keep going back to things are never as bad as they seem or as good. You you always need to find find your middle ground on things. And what frustrates me about the discourse right now is that I don't see a lot of people finding that middle ground of like it's okay to be frustrated and be critical while also not swinging right. so far to the point where you lose sight of the fact that the team is 6 and 0, they found ways to win and the sky is not falling. Yeah. Uh, West Texas Mike in the chat says, that's kind of all I want to see. If we lose, it's because their players are just unstoppable, not wallowing in Alex Grinch's diarrhea all game. <laughs> I did not need to know the phrase wallowing in <laughs> diarrhea. But, like, you know, this, but this is the thing going forward is there's more players on the schedule coming up. Yeah, who can do that? Who will make plays. Yeah. Michael Penix is going to make plays. He's oh. going to throw for at least three touchdowns. Yeah. He would throw for at least three touchdowns depending on who, no matter who he was playing against. You have to be prepared for that. You have to just hold him to less than his average. That's 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 what you want. Um, if if you're I would looking hold at him from to, the SEC if, side. If USC held him to his average right now, I would take that. <laughs> yes. The scary part is that average is really damn high. Yeah. Like You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, like so much. Yeah, like, mm -hmm, sorry. I'm, the likes are you know, yeah. flowing out of me. Uh, let's go to uh voicemail we got from Cameron. Hello, Randall Troy. It's Cameron from Fresco, Texas. A typical, inevitable I-USC fan or inept USC fan. I have a question for you guys. When will Lincoln Riley listen to the inevitable I or inept USC fan and actually call a better game? When will he actually come to the realization you need to run the ball please don't just put it on the hands of Caleb Williams like please remember there are two parts to an offense a run game and a pass game I love to hear your thoughts especially coming up with a Notre Dame game come next week thank you Cameron from Frisco Texas an inevitable and also inept USC fan Thanks for the call, Cameron. Uh, yeah, I mean, this has been the, the big question on offense for a, a while now is running the ball more with uh, with, with Marshawn Lloyd. Yes, um, yeah, and everyone knows I want them to run the ball with Marshawn Lloyd more often, way, way, way more often. It's also hard to scream that too loudly when the offensive line is is getting beat the way that they, that they were in the, the Arizona game. Um, and it's also partly a function of the RPO offense that USC runs where it's not always Lincoln Riley's choice whether or not they run the ball. It's a read. Mm -hmm. And Caleb Williams is making that read. And one of my biggest frustrations with the RPO concept is that uh, when you are making a read and you are Caleb Williams who can make every play possible and be Superman, uh, I am not surprised when you choose to not hand the ball off right. as often as some of us would, would like. So that's the, the downside of having a, you know, the minor downside of having an, an incredible um, quarterback who can do it all is that he's going to believe that he can do it all. And I think that might be to the detriment of USC's, run offense. I think Lincoln yeah. could probably save USC from themselves a little bit more by calling more distinct run plays, but that's also, I don't want him to handcuff the offense for the sake of, you know, running for the sake of it either. So there, there's a balance in all things. 
Um, I definitely want to see a, a more fervent run game. It's yeah. It's also more complicated than that. But as W even the chat says, it's crazy complaining about the the highest scoring offense. Yeah, I, they're also it, you know the, uh, it, all of this. Yeah, in, in yeah. a in a grand scheme of things, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, absolutely can come off as as, as nitpicking. Um, if the Arizona game was a blip, if the Arizona game continues to be a trend, then yeah, that's a that's a ma- major problem. We'll we'll see. Uh, let's go to last call we got from uh, Sheldon. What's up, Michael and Alicia? This is Sheldon from Riverside. This is neither a rant or a rave, but a question. Um, does the last two weeks, or I guess three weeks, of a lack of an explosive offense um, really kind of uh, let us know how important Zach Branch is in this offense? Or sorry, Zachariah. I know we, he was uh, Lincoln Riley was using him excessively at the beginning of the year, thinking maybe oh. He's trying to get the ball to this young guy, get him comfortable. But um, could this also be his ability to be explosive off the line and separate, um, really be a game changer when it comes to quick passes and the ability to get rid of the ball, especially with a pretty suspect offensive line? Um, Again, thank you guys. Appreciate the podcast and everything you guys do for the community. Yeah, your thoughts on Zachariah Brantz, Alicia? Um, two, yeah. two games in a row he's missed Colorado and Arizona yeah it, it would it would be nice if USC gave out some injury information so that we could go into games knowing whether or not the players are going to be playing um, it sucks sort of being blind on that front because it, it's hard to say whether or not USC can depend on him against Notre Dame I he's clearly a weapon that Lincoln wants to use and that Caleb is comfortable using and getting him back will make a difference for the offense, I think. Uh, but um, that's all. There, there's also a sort of sense of be, being out of control a little bit on that front because we yeah. don't know what, we don't have even an inkling of what the nature of his injury is. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that it'll be interesting to see if the wrinkle of like the option plays sort of come back, if they even with or without him. Um, but I think he definitely gives you an extra added benefit in uh, special teams, 100%. Uh, let's go to the mailbag that we got here live on YouTube. Uh, we're going to run through questions uh, super quickly, rapid fire. Uh, Randy says, do you think the rotation will change as the games get tougher? Uh, well, they, they've made it sound like it will, uh, but would you bet on it? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, yeah. What do you got? <laughs> if they're holding back at this point, then they have been playing with fire. I think we see the defense that USC intends to, to field. Yeah. I would like to see ma- major changes to that um, to, to that uh, rotation, but... You know why I, I don't believe that that's the case? Because they haven't... S- from the from the very first game, uh, SC has put the full offense out there on full display. Uh, you don't put the full out, offense out there on full display and then hold back on defense. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's like a load management situation going on, but outside of that, no, I I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, Tim in LA says, "How awesome would it be for an All Pac-12 Heisman finalist group? That would be cool. It would be cool, but also very sad and depressing." 
to see the conference, you know, come undone uh, at the, the the worst time in that way. Um, Brenton says, uh, word is that Grinch has lost the locker room. Uh, yeah, I think this is bullshit. They're, um, <laughs> if, if that's the case, then they're not playing that way. They're not playing that way, but also I... I Maybe I'm reading too much into post-game interviews. May, sure, maybe. I I don't think Bryson Shaw is falling on the sword as hard as he is if he doesn't believe in Alex Grinch. I don't believe that Caleb Williams is going to bat for the defense in a post-game press conference if he doesn't believe in everybody else. Like, I don't pretend to know. I don't the, pretend the defense to know. needs to get better. Like we, you don't need. We don't need to go into like more conspiracy theories here. The, it, it, it's that I, I will. Me. I will maintain. We can't pretend to know what's going on in that locker room. What they say in the media doesn't doesn't mean that that's what they're saying behind closed doors. Right. But also, if but the there's defense, no indication. If otherwise. the defense had given up on Alex Grinch, they would have given up. They would have not gotten the stops at the end of the game that they needed to get in order to win the damn game. Like yeah. the, the effort that they are playing out there is not the sign of a team that has given up on Alex Grinch. Um, that doesn't mean that Alex Grinch is doing a good job or that the defense is any good. <laughs> you cannot tell me that those kids are not out there trying to work within the framework that they exist in. Yeah. Uh, and Cardum says, what do you think of Justin Flo's impact? I think, I think he should have been ejected for targeting personally, but he, that's just me. He makes a bunch of great plays and a bunch of you know big critical you know mistakes for Arizona. I think really cost them. Um, BL and Thunder OU sooner in the chat because they've got nothing better to do. And BL says Riley's history is repeating itself right before our eyes. Thunder OU sooner history is repeating itself. Thunder OU sooner. We've seen the exact same thing when Lincoln was the head coach at OU. Yes, you're right. Yeah, because you... Alex Grinch was his defensive coordinator the whole time. Like, yes. I, I, I don't know why it's well, that difficult. Well, not the difficult. whole time, but... Well, okay, until he fired Stoops and then... But th- this idea that history is repeating itself. Oh, oh no. yes, the, Going the poor the history of Lincoln Riley, the... All the ten win seasons and the and the playoff that SC doesn't have, like God, uh, the horror of that. Like I, yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. Uh, Lamont says, uh, question the defense uh, is making the same mistakes with over pursuing, but they also added a new one that is easily cor- uh, that is easily easily corrected when blitzing. Put your hands up and knock down or make the throw difficult. What yeah. do you say? Yeah, I I agree. Do you see the Washington State game? The yeah. the pick six on Dante Moore was incredible. The, the edge guy just puts his hand up, bats it down, picks it off. Yeah, get in the I, passing I, lane. Start I definitely up. want to see way, way, way more of that from, from everybody on USC's defensive front. If they're going to be getting after the quarterback the way that they are and not get there for sacks, at least make it difficult. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, okay, uh, Tim in LA says, if you told me six years ago we'd be 6-0 and, and have complaints, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Uh, I'd, I'd buy that. And the last question of, is from Cam. Michael, do you like chips with a hint of lime? The answer is no. Lime ruins chips. Thank you very much. This is my TED Talk. I will do it. I will speak for eight hours about it. Lime ruins chips chips chipotle is uh 
criminal number one. But all right, we're going to wrap things up there. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, to preview USC and Notre Dame Trojans and the Irish Lock and Horns uh, in college football's greatest intersectional rivalry. I will preview that Wednesday night, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, until then, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. <laughs> I hope they were watching. She, the dog she did. She did react. There you go. See ya. <laughs>